Somebody said revival is just thinning the veil between heaven and earth. It's thinning the veil between heaven and earth. And we're longing for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these latter times. I think it was uh, a fellow, Edward Last, that said the church that's fully prepared for revival is already in it. The church that's fully prepared for revival is already in it. So there's nothing to do uh, for us but to prepare ourselves for revival. And I believe there's three components. If I could just perhaps encourage you a little bit, exhort a little bit here from James chapter four, three components in every revival, be it personal or corporate or regional, three elements in every every revival as best as I can tell. The Bible says in James chapter four, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The first element in this uh, preparation is cultivating the presence of God. And I believe just like we can cultivate crop, we can, so to speak, cultivate the presence of God. Because when we draw near to him, he always draws near to us. Every move toward heaven is reciprocated. Every move toward God is uh, is reciprocated. And when we draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to us. So I would say the first element uh, in every, every revival of any kind is hunger, spiritual hunger. Uh, you know, the scripture says they, that hunger and thirst after righteousness uh, shall be filled. And spiritual hunger, I believe, is the beginning of every spiritual advance. You know, I know you from all parts of the world, and I've spoken a lot of places. And I'll tell you the thing that uh, baffles me about um, uh, this country at, at this time is uh, the absence of spiritual hunger in many, many places. Somebody said fasting is when you're more hungry for God than you are for food. And there's some things Jesus said would not take place apart from prayer and fasting. Uh, James Stewart said if it took extraordinary prayer and fasting, if it took extraordinary prayer and fasting to cast one demon out of one person in Jesus' day, uh, can we expect it's going to take less to cast the devil out of the church in our day? And I think that's a legitimate thing. Some things will not take place apart from a prayer and fasting. James Stewart said there's never been a revival anywhere on the face of the earth where there was not a desperate church. And spiritual hunger precedes a spiritual feast. Uh, D.L. Moody said every revival can be traced to a kneeling figure. So spiritual hunger is the very first component uh, in a, a, a reviving move of God. Second component is humility. Humility. James 4 said that God resists the proud. He opposes the proud. He stiff-arms the proud, but he gives grace to the, to the humble. And, and that's why humility is so absolutely important. What does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Jonathan Edwards said, nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. And, and it's absolutely essential. Humility is the foundation for all virtue. So there's spiritual hunger, and then there's this uh, self-effacement, this humbling of ourselves before God. Uh, somebody said there's two types of people in the world. There's the humble and the proud. And there's only one difference between a humble man and a proud man. Uh, the only difference between a humble man and a proud man is that the humble man is willing to admit he's proud. 
And I believe that admittance of pride is uh, the first step toward humility. Theological pride, positional pride, denominational pride, theological pride, all kinds of pride going on here, racial pride, all kinds of pride here. But the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So humility, hunger, but the third element in every move of God, I believe, is honesty. Absolute honesty. Uh, James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. That's our actions and our deeds. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That has to do with the attitudes and the motives. So this deep inward cleansing uh, is the result of uh, absolute uh, uh, judgment day honesty before God. You know, confession is just telling God the truth about myself. That's what confession is. It's just telling God the truth uh, about me. And, you know, if there's going to be any move of God here in James, he says, cleanse your hands. Uh, our actions purify your hearts, our motives and our attitudes. Absolutely essential, a brutal honesty. I was telling Stephen about a, one experience um, back in the spring. I was scheduled to speak at a church at five o'clock in Covington, Georgia on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, before going, the pastor said, uh, he said, Harold, um, I think God is hovering over our church. Well, rarely does a pastor ever say anything like that to me. So I was so encouraged. And on the way down, I had an hour and a half and I was praying. And I just had the sense that God was going to show up and show off. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And, you, you know, in that meeting, it went on for two hours and 45 minutes. Um what happened was people got clean and people got clear. People got clean and people got clear. And what I mean by that is that uh, we dealt with these inward things. Uh, and forgiveness was a major theme. There was a man in the church who was a, a teenager in the church printed 20 years prior. And his mother came to him 20 years prior and told him, he said, you know, I love you and I love the family, but I love the pastor more. And she ran off with the pastor of that church. Can you imagine a mother telling a child something like that? I love you, but I love the pastor more. For 20 years, he had dealt with this. But in this meeting, uh, this who was a grown man now was able to forgive and release the debt toward his mother. There was another man in the church. He was the head deacon, a very godly, spiritual man. He was 79 years old. He grew up in the home of a drunkard and an abuser, and he literally had hatred in his heart toward his father, and he told how he stood at the end of the meeting and told how that uh, uh, God had dealt with him about this hatred and this despising of his own father, and he was able to forgive his father. And those two testimonies, plus a host of others, uh, just freed up the atmosphere in such a way uh, that the meeting went on for nearly three hours. We, on the spot, the pastor extended it for more nights as well. And the same thing happened every night. People were getting clean and people were getting clear, right with God and right with man. And that's because of the hunger that was there, the humility that was there, and the honesty that was there. And I believe that there's going to be any move of God, we're going to have to have these three elements, hunger, uh, humility, and honesty before God.
Now, praying for revival, and I am so encouraged that you all are praying for and believing God for revival, it's not a substitute for obedience. And as Duncan Campbell said, I believe in no conception of the sovereignty of God that nullifies man's responsibility. I do not believe in any conception of sovereignty that nullifies man's responsibility. And, you know, we have a responsibility before God uh, to obey and to believe. And obedience is simply doing exactly what I'm told to do when I'm told to do it and doing it with the right heart attitude. So the best way, the best possible way to start a revival is for us to be revived ourselves. And what I mean by that is getting clean in the presence of God through the blood of Christ and getting clear as much as possible with our fellow man. You know, revival seems to happen in places where the theology allows for a move of God. And I believe that some of this um, over-the-top um, end-time theology that we're locked into some sort of a, a Laodicean church age that God's foreordained us to be you know, half alive, half dead, half baked, lukewarm, either cold or hot. And that's normal. And that's the way we're supposed to be. I just don't believe that for a minute. I mean, God told the church at Laodicea that they needed to repent. And he didn't tell them that they were to typecast the future age so people would have a role model on how to be uh, half converted and half alive. And No, no, no. He told them to repent. And I believe that revival will come uh, to people and churches and movements where there's an allowance for the Holy Spirit to have the preeminence. You know, Jesus didn't do many mighty works in his own hometown because of the oppressive atmosphere of unbelief. And over and over in the New Testament, according to your faith, so be it unto you. Now, you know, we would all agree that God is sovereign where he bestows the sacred flame of revival. But uh, an objective look at the Bible tells me that God responds to hunger, spiritual hunger. He responds to humility. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. Humble yourselves on the sight of the Lord. All of these things. And he responds to brutal honesty in the presence of God because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And, you know, the church of God came into existence in a burst of glory. And I believe the real church is going to go out in a blaze. That uh, it's the will of God to pour out the latter rain. I just believe that God longs to send his reviving presence because he's worthy of so much better than what he's been getting in these last days. So I believe that he wants a, a revived people, revived preachers and revived churches. You know, Howard Spring, he made a tremendous statement. He said the kingdom of God will not be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men. The kingdom of God will not be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men, but by men in our churches becoming filled with God. And brothers and sisters, that's the crying need of the hour. Uh, men and women filled, filled, filled with the presence of God, the spirit of God. And, and, and that's the way the kingdom of God is going to be advanced in these last days. One final thought. You know, I believe that prayer is just implementing the will of God on earth. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, uh, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God has desires. He has burdens. He has, he has uh, plans. He has purposes. 
And the purpose of prayer is to implement uh, the purpose and the will of God on planet Earth. So prayer brings the future into the present. And there's something amazing. I don't understand all about uh, all of these nuances, but I'll say this, that I believe that God, what God's going to do, he's going to do through intercessory prayer, and he's going to work with people who work with him, whose hearts are in sync with heaven. And that's why Jesus in the garden had to get his heart synchronized when he said, not my will, but yours be done. And you know what? As we surrender ourselves, submit ourselves, humble ourselves, get hungry for God himself, and get honest with the Lord, with one another, and with ourselves, that's the kind of atmosphere where God can send his reviving presence. And I just so appreciate uh, the heart burden I sensed from Stephen, and he told me about your group. So I'm so excited just to, just to share just a little bit here today and hope some of this would be an encouragement to you. Spiritual hunger spiritual hunger, spiritual hunger. I mean, a hunger you can feel, a hunger you can taste. I mean, a longing, a yearning, a churning, and a burning in the heart. Spiritual hunger and humility, and that's just um, getting in the presence of God, taking this position willingly, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and then honesty, openness, brokenness, oneness. Three essential um components for a move of God.